Aloha, buddies. It's Concert Buddy. Back with another rendition, edition, suspicion of the series for Vinyl Community Podcast calling Mind of the Record Collector. And I've got a fun one for you. Talking today with Frank Landry over at the channel on YouTube, Channel 33 RPM. I jokingly said during the interview, one of the, the giants in the vinyl community, and that's there's a little truth in that in the sense that since 2014, Frank has really amassed a quality channel, quality production, quality content. On the way, he hit the 50,000 sub plateau within the last year. He's up to 61,000 as of this filming. He, I think when this video slash podcast comes out, He'll have eclipsed 500 videos, which he didn't know about because your boy is all about doing his homework. Uh, but anyway, Frank's a really nice guy up in Canada. One of the channels I watched before I went on the other side and started doing my own kind of thing here in the vinyl community. Interesting guy, interesting topics. He talks about things from gear to uh, different types of formats, not just vinyl. He talks about CDs, too. He's co- he collects all kinds of music. The music is the central piece of, of his presentation. But more than anything else, he's, he's just very generous. He's very generous with his time in this conversation. But also, he's done videos where he's crowdsourced people showing off their record rooms, their collections. He takes mailbags. So it's a very collaborative piece of what he does on his channel, and that's something that I can take a lot of value from others. Hopefully, in the vinyl community, can do the same. Anyway, the man needs no further introductions. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate Frank for coming on the podcast. Let me pick his brain. I didn't know he actually had a background in like journalism and investigative reporting, which I thought was very interesting. But as you'll see and hear in this interview, he's very gracious and actually was asking me questions. It was a great back and forth. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get into it now. Yeah, we've got that one too. First pressing, even. You're listening to Vinyl Community Podcast. Buddy is back in the building. Thanks for joining me for another episode here on Vinyl Community Podcasts of the series Mind of the Record Collector. And have I got a fun one for you? I'm joined by Frank Landry. You may know him from his channel on YouTube, Channel 33 RPM. Frank, how are you doing today? Awesome. Chance, thanks for having me. This is a good opportunity, a lot of fun to do this kind of stuff. Hey, the pleasure is all mine, sir. So hopefully, if you're listening or watching this, you're familiar with Frank. You should be. Frank's one of the, the giants in the vinyl community. <laughs> and I say that because I think, was it this year or was it late last year? You passed 50,000 subs. Now you're up to 60, but was it It was pretty it, within the last year, I want to say, right? Yes. Can't recall exactly when, but yeah. Yeah, incredible. Blown away. Never, never, ever thought or imagined. Just doing it for fun. Yeah, and, and I think you're a few videos away from 500, if I'm not mistaken. So you're, I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of milestones. You're hitting 50,000 subs, almost 500 videos. How long have you been doing the YouTube thing, like specifically Vinyl Community? Would you say? Mm-hmm. First of all, I didn't even realize it's 500. That's oh, kind sorry. of, <laughs> that's sorry, kind of crazy if you think about it. Like, man, where did I, I must have had a lot of time to spend. Where did I do 500 videos? Well, uh, the first video was in October 2014. And um, 
I, I told the story before, but the time my wife was working evenings and we had young kids at home and I was collecting records. So of course went to YouTube and just started looking up records and I find found all these people doing vinyl community videos. I Googled vinyl community, what is it? And there nothing really came up. I mm-hmm. kind of figured it out and just started doing videos. I was too scared to do them on my own at first though. I said the first few I had a friend of mine do them with me. So I was like, oh, I can't do this. But uh yeah, it was just a way to occupy my time back in 2014. And what when you started, I mean, was it just something to, you saw other videos and you're like, hey, I can yeah. do that, or hey, I want to do that. Was there like any goals in yeah. mind? Was, what was the motivation? No, no goals. Like I used to be a newspaper reporter, a journalist, and I left journalism in 2014 because no one buys newspapers anymore. And so the writing on the wall. So I got into like media, um, media relations and communications. And so that, that's what pays the bills now. But I kind of missed the aspect of journalism in terms of connecting with an audience and researching topics and that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of an opportunity for me to uh, hold on to that a little bit and just to occupy my time while my, while the kids were sleeping and my wife was working. And when you started making those early videos, I mean, a lot of people that decide to come on the other side of the camera and do this, right? Like I was a lurker for a long time. And then I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, uh, when you make that move and start doing it, those early videos are cringeworthy unless, oh, unless yeah. yeah i mean i mean have you gone back and watched those first videos or are they just like i did them and i don't want to ever see them again yeah i i i think i did a reaction video to an early video a while ago just for <laughs> just for the hell of it yeah yeah they're cringy of course and then you kind of find yourself in those early videos i think i found myself but i used to yell at the camera a lot and and yeah, I remember the early episodes that had like a smoke machine, even as wow. we we're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> That's yeah, you got to start somewhere. And I know you, you and I will probably look back on these videos in five years and think, oh my God, what were we doing? Because we always evolve and change and that kind of stuff. No, dead to real. You're right about that. I mean, it's interesting. Even even in a, like a year to three years to five years, just the the the, the changes, right? Like just the yeah. thing that the skills you learn doing this, and and the the things you learn not to do, <laughs> doing yeah, they like become pretty prevalent, right? Oh yeah, you always learn something. But the hardest thing to watch is my hair turn more gray as the years went on. But hey, uh, hey at least you got hair. At least, hey, listen, listen, you kept it, man. Like I, 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 I got to blame my mom on that one. Um, when you started doing videos, like what were what were like the, what was the earliest or early surprises from doing uh-huh. the videos? Was it the people like the commenters? Was it like the exchanges? What was it for you? Surprise! Surprise! I don't know. Like maybe it's just the passion of people and, you know, people are just, I don't know if it's a surprise, but the coolest part was just meeting people and, and talking to people. And the first it's kind of awkward, maybe not awkward. But I remember the first time, for example, I went on Twitter, like whenever that launched and like, so you talk to strangers on this platform. That's kind of weird. I don't know if I want to do that. And then it would turn out to be a really cool thing in terms of YouTube. I mean, meeting people, you develop friendships with people you haven't met or like you said before this interview started you 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 meet people on youtube and become friends in real life and that's happened to to many of us as well so that's another cool aspect there's a bond as funny as it sounds i think that connects record collectors or even music fans let's talk just about music fans i think there's just a, a certain bond and it doesn't necessarily matter what kind of music you're in but if you're a collector you kind of have that that bug and if you meet someone else who thinks who's weird like you you have that instant connection 
That's awesome. What do you, what do you think? You think you found that to be true as well? No, absolutely. Like, it's interesting you say that because for let's call it almost 10 years, I was kind of doing my own collect, like collection building on my own. Like I was, I was hitting the flea markets, the yard sales, the goodwills, all that stuff. Obviously the hobbies changed a lot in 10 years, but I was kind of doing it like in a, in a, a lane of solitude. And I've noticed that since I, since I started doing the YouTube thing myself, like it's opened up like a lot of really great people have kind of like, let's say elevated, but just come into my life through this. Now I've got people who are looking for records for me and I'm looking for records for them. And it's all like that. It can be a little polarizing when you lean into the community aspect of this, but I really believe that because I think like 99% of the folks who are doing this and even people don't have to be video makers, Absolutely. The, people comment, the people who comment on the videos, the people who uh, are, you know, cause to me, the vinyl community is more than just the YouTube piece, right? People are like, Oh, yeah. Nobody owns vinyl community. Oh, that's right. But like, I think the community of record collectors, and like you said, music lovers is so expansive that when you find people who have that kindred spirit, I think it's like, one, it's awesome to plug into it. And two, like, like I said, like I was kind of doing this by myself for the longest time. My poor wife, she had to hear all these, really, like, I'm sure your wife can attest to this too. You had to hear all yeah. these stories. And then now you've got somebody to sh- other people to share them to and be like, Oh, guess what I found. And then, so she's, she's, she's been enjoying me talking to other people about the record. Absolutely. And you raise a good point in that you don't have to make videos to be part of this big whatever it is. Like, I've been to record shows and I'm like, hey, I've seen your videos, Frank. Okay, awesome. They just start talking and I've made a lot of friends in, in my local town who, you know, just from being at record shows. Now they come over, we go record shopping, we shoot the breeze. It's a, yeah, it's a great community. A worldwide community worldwide you're exactly right what was it like that first time that somebody just out of the blue came up and said hey are you three mm. rpn can you remember that yeah. time uh yes it was odd it's like really because you kind of do these things sort of like we talk about meeting people and everything but really uh, you're kind of in a silo like at first you don't think you're talking to anyone but a camera but yeah, i was at a record store in a mall and someone said i've seen your videos i'm like I had to take a second to digest. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. Odd. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Cause part of my brain is just sitting here. I'm sitting in my basement in my office. And it's like this little silo. It's like, yeah, you know, people watch it, but are they really watching it? Yeah. Uh, same, same with me. I, I was at a record show, my local record show. They have it like six or seven times a year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this gal, uh, Janice, if she's watching, she's a, she's a, a frequent watcher of the channel. Uh, she just came up to me and she's like, Hey, I really like your videos. Awesome. Yeah. And I was like, it, like exactly what you said. It kind of caught me off guard. Cause I was not, I was like in my habitat. I'm like focused. Like I'm there to, to flip and dig and everything. And it, it kind of took me by surprise. I'm like, thank you. Like question mark. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but no, it was awesome. It's, and other and other people like would come out. And I'm like, so people are really watching this. It's unreal. It is unreal. Like a recent one, I was uh, uh, in Toronto at the airport, coming home from a, a trip, and I, um, a pilot comes up to me in his uniform. I'm just <laughs> sitting there, just waiting for the flight. The pilot comes up to me, goes, "Excuse me," and I thought, "Why is this pilot talking to me? What's going on?" He says, uh, "You're you're Frank. I watch you on YouTube, right?" Wow. And I said, yeah. He said, I, do you live in Toronto? I go, no. He goes, where do you live? And I told him, he goes, I didn't even know you're Canadian. I go, are you flying me home? Are you, are you, the, are you the pilot <laughs> of this plane? He goes, no, he's, he's, he's on a layover or whatever. But that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. 
That's why all of a sudden he invites you in the cockpit. That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty odd. That would be, that'd be a little weird, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Well, well, one thing I wanted to pick your brain on is because uh, you, since you've been doing this for a while and you have a lot of really interesting programming, and you're also, and we'll kind of talk about this in a little bit, but you're also pretty quick to tell your audience, hey, it's around the holidays. I'm taking some time off to kind of recharge, refuel, that kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of walk me through your process and in, in terms of how do you lay out your ideas? Do they like when you think of something, do you like like me? Do you keep like notes on your phone and then that way you kind of revisit or like trying to keep it fresh, interesting ideas, like you're talking about the vinyl record den stuff and and you know, how do you like how does where do your ideas come from? I guess is the easy way to ask. Where did they come from? Honestly, I don't stress uh about it too much. It just kind of come to me in a former life. I was um I think it came from a former life because I went to journalism school and I was a newspaper reporter and newspaper editor. So I go to work every day prepared to assign people stories to cover or come with my own stories. So I don't do that anymore, but I think it comes naturally just to generate story ideas. So yeah, I keep a list um, whenever I can with, with ideas, but coming up with stuff is never really an issue. Coming up with stuff people might be interested in it, interested in is the, is the issue, but uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, then I try, as you say, I try to take a couple breaks uh, every year. I'm kind of, I'm debating. I'm not sure if I'll take a break this summer because I got a lot of stuff I want to get out. But uh, I haven't done any videos. I haven't done a video for Friday or Sunday this week. So we'll see if it happens or not. Yeah. How does that, if, if you're, I know how I feel about it. If you don't have a, a direct idea, do you sweat at all? Because you, you do have regular, that's one thing you're real great about is your consistency. And you have the Friday and okay. Sunday videos. If you're getting up to like, let's call it, you know, two days away, do you start kind of sweating knowing that like, Hey, I've got to put some out on Friday or do you just pass that Friday and this, how do you approach that? Yeah, I just pass it. I'm pretty casual about Fridays. Fridays is Fridays are really casual chill episodes if someone sends me something in the mail which i'm always blown away by i will Friday it'll be a mailbag episode or if i get some records i'll do a record review but if i have no new records or nothing in the mail i'll skip a friday that's no big deal those episodes are 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 fun but they're unscripted and whatever sunday episodes i give a little more thought to mm -hmm. um but as I said, I haven't. I have an idea for an episode this Sunday, but I haven't done it yet, so I'm not sure if I'll be one this week. That's fun. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about too is we touched on this briefly: burnout. Because I know yeah. a lot of a lot of folks kind of go through it. I went through it right at the end of my first year. I was kind of like, okay, I've done it a year. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, farming ideas and stuff. Like, how how does it happen frequently for you? Or like like mm -hmm. talk talk about like burnout because you need reach a point sometimes where like i wouldn't say short on ideas but maybe short on motivation short on time you know i mean certain things kind of get in the way like to talk to me about like burnout because i think yeah. everybody that does this can kind of relate to that oh yeah burnout's a real thing especially if you if you you know youtube is what it's fun but it's down the down the totem pole right it's like yep. family like uh, i'm not sure about yourself but i got you know kids 12 uh, 11 and 12 and 15 and wife and got a house and you gotta take care of that and a mortgage to pay and a job and parents adulting. And, hardcore adulting yep <laughs> yeah exactly it's not always fun but that's the way it is so youtube is kind of down the totem pole so yeah when life gets busy or the things get in the way that's one of the first things to to give so i, I actually try to like i take a few weeks in the winter off and a few weeks in the summer to just kind of forget about it for a while. It's also an opportunity to, I like to have a few episodes 
in the bank, as I say, like uh, ready to go. I have none ready to go right now. So that's why it tells me it's almost time to take a break to come up with some some stories to keep in the can. Um, yeah, but and, you know, anyone getting into it, it's always my advice. Like, don't get so wrapped up in this stuff that it's all consuming. It's supposed to be fun, right? If you do YouTube videos just for fun, don't do it to make money. Don't do it to get free stuff. Like your intentions have to be true and authentic, I think. And when it gets too much, just walk away and come back because people are still going to be there in a few weeks. Not a big deal. No, that's a great advice because I, I, I know from other people I've talked to, the burnout is real and yeah. it right on the head. A lot of people, when they start doing it, they get caught up in the numbers. They start looking yeah. at the analytics and you know comparing themselves to other channels and start like, why am I not growing so fast? And I always say exactly what you said. You got to be doing it for you. And when it quits being yeah. fun, you got to reassess, pivot, change your thing. I mean, this these interviews I've been doing was a way for me to pivot and do something that kept my fire burning, connecting with other people in the community. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, you got to keep, got to be keep challenging yourself, but also make it fun. Once it, once it goes to being fun, fun you gotta, yeah, reassess, right? Those are the two things. Challenge yourself. I always do try to challenge yourself, right? Like, oh, can I, whatever, whatever challenges and have fun. You have to have fun. Otherwise it's not worth it, man. Life is so short. There's a million things you could be doing. If this is a chore, find something else, go golfing or go, shoot some hoops or go right. race cars, whatever, whatever, whatever you like to do. Like do this for the right purposes. Don't worry about money. Don't count subscribers. Nope. Do it. Do it for yourself and be true to yourself. Don't do topics you're not interested in. Like you got to have fun. You have to have fun. Yeah. I think a lot of people, it's funny you said that. I just, so when we're filming this, I just watched Steve Carlson had a video about, you know, like his assessment on what happens with people. And cause there's a lot of channels he used to watch that they don't do anything anymore. And it's pretty common, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and well, but to that end, let's, let's two-parter here. What, uh, when you first started, what were some channels that really, for lack of a better word, inspired you or ones that really held your attention and kind of propelled you to be like, yeah, I want to do that too, because they may not be around anymore. The more I talk to people in the community through these interviews, I hear about a lot of channels that well predate my time watching content. You know, a couple of the guys who are still around are like uh, Brandon, Mr. Hall of Fame. He was definitely uh, one of the early guys I'd watched. Uh, Scott Waters from No Life Till Metal was one of those early guys. And I don't know if anyone else is still around from back then that I watched. There was one guy, I can't remember his name anymore, but his channel was Biosite or something like that. Uh, and it was awesome. Um, so, yeah, those are a few of the, sorry, my computer monitor went off. I just keep oh, you're good, back you're on good, you're good. For the light, for the light. Okay. Yep, same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so those, those are some of them, but it was very small back then i know the people who came before me must have been like total total pioneers because i wasn't a pioneer but it was a very you know it was much smaller at the time people come and go and that's that's part of it right they probably said to themselves it's not meeting my goals this is not fun anymore i tried it and it wasn't for me sure, sure. i'm with yeah. you well, let's talk to the the meat of the conversation I wanted to talk to you about, and that's record collecting, right? Yeah. And 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 off by saying like you collect vinyl, of course, but I mean you're a, a mass media consumer in that you CDs, like you're an equal opportunity consumer. I'd say like it, you don't limit yourself to to vinyl. Maybe is vinyl probably your your lead in? Like you lead with vinyl, but like if something didn't come out on vinyl, you want to find the CD the cassette tapes like how would you describe like your your approach to amassing a music collection 
Yeah, it's always an interesting question. I mean, for me, I always say music is first. <laughs> Pardon me, music is first. Yeah, okay, it's a vinyl channel, but it's really, it's a music channel. All of us is really a music channel. If it's not for the music, you're probably, well, for me, it's all about the music. Um, I typically buy records, I guess, first and foremost, to be my favorite, but sometimes the record's too pricey or doesn't exist or the CD is is more accessible so yeah i think vinyl first i mean i'll, I'll if you don't mind i'll swear for a second streaming <laughs> streaming is a swear uh but i i probably if i'm perfectly honest i, I streaming is probably what i listen to the form the, the medium i probably use the most and that's just because Convenient. driving commuting in the garage out on the deck like you know so i probably stream more than anything but uh i'm totally above buying physical products if you love the artist and i'm going to buy it i love having the collection behind me i love having records for my youth which i still have i love discovering new artists and supporting new artists by buying their records on Bandcamp or whatever so yeah i guess my philosophy is music first and then if it's if it's if i dig it records yeah and then would be cds i guess how would you are you one of the guys who kept their records from back in the day during the cd change or did or did were you like me just get of them and went full on on cds no i kept everything i always had them in a couple milk crates and i hauled them when i was you know in my 20s from all my different apartments oh, and i hauled them across the country when we moved i always held on to my records i never got rid of them i never got rid of my cds either i remember like 10 years ago tons of people i knew were getting rid of their cds and saying why do i need them i'm going to rip them to this 128 kilobyte screen <laughs> or whatever and it's going to be awesome yeah. forever and now they're like damn that doesn't sound very good i should have oh, kept my yeah. cds true story <laughs> I, I remember i was in college when all the napster stuff was going on and i was yeah. like this is great they take up space i don't need them yeah, i can yeah. put them on a hard drive <laughs> and you're exactly right because i had to buy a computer like eight years ago, a desktop just to be able to access this goofy hard drive. And I'm like, hang on a second. I'm buying more hardware to then be able to add these MP3s. And that was even before streaming. So um, yeah. I, I, I got to ask you one question. I'm sure a lot of people have in your mind. Yeah. How, how large is your collection? You know, I was so diligent about tracking every record I bought and, and I started doing it like a spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet or whatever, because that was before Discogs and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And I have totally stopped cataloging my records over the past year or two. I'm ashamed to admit it, but Whoa. I stopped categorizing them. I stopped cataloging them, but probably around 1,400. Okay. Yeah, not not huge by some comparisons. Yeah, but. Sure. Well, and I know too, you've gone through waves as I've watched you over the years of intentionally paring down your collection and intentionally yeah. keeping things that you want to keep. And you're like a lot of us. I know watching these vinyl community videos can really be a challenge because you'll hear a recommendation and you'll, yeah, that man, that's oh, yeah. really passionate, right? They're really passionate about, and then I'll get it and I'll listen to it once and then it sits on the shelf. So that can always, it's kind of like a catch 22, like, cool. Thanks for recommendation. Yes. It sounded good. Probably not going to be part of my rotation. So I've, I've seen you kind of go through that, that we all go through. I'm, I'm going through it right now. I'm getting, oh, you are, yeah. Double, yeah, I'm going through doubles and you know, like how many copies of Nevermind do I really need? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's a good question. And you think to yourself, is it better off here or is it better off as someone who's going to listen to it a lot more? And then you can take that money and, and reinvest in, in, 
in something else. So I, yeah, I think purging is an important exercise to go through whatever, every year or two in my closet here, I got a couple boxes of records, but I haven't had the time to go through them and, and price them. And, and truth be told, it is a little bit of a pain selling records. So yes. someday I'll price them and sell them, but yeah, I got a purge and yeah. How many copies of nevermind do you need? I, I probably have like, my favorite bands. I probably have like five copies of the first Black Sabbath album, but I am holding on to to some of those. <laughs> so like, yeah, hey, like the, the Vertigo Press, like you got the ones you. Yeah, yeah. Non non collectors won't understand that. They're like, why would you have like six copies of uh, Master of Reality? Well, you got the German one. Yeah, you got the Vertigo. You got the Japanese with the O. Like you gotta, you gotta have. You don't have to, but. You gotta be a collector to understand that part of it. A million percent. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand, especially the more I learned, the more I went down these rabbit holes of, you know, you got now you got color variants. I feel. I feel. I feel in a way for a lot of folks getting into the hobby now. And I'll kind of touch that here in a second. But there's just so many options. There's color variants. There's cover um, variants. There's you know, if you go to retail specific, uh, you know, special add-ins. I mean, there's just so many ways that they've figured how to market to folks. Absolutely. Come like look at the Taylor Swift stuff that she's she what was it one now. So many. Yeah, there was like 18 different covers, and and it's hard not to bite on that apple because you're like, oh yeah, that's fun. Oh yeah, I'd like to you know like Pokemon collect them all, right? Like yeah. <laughs> But you know, you know what I only realized in the past couple of years, because I also casually collect Blu-rays and, and movies, sure. but movie collectors are just as nuts as record collectors. I didn't realize that there's color variants. There's like the, 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 the different covers. There's like the, what do you call it? Like the, the, the slip boxes and stuff like the that. Slip boxes. And there's like the metal, metal, um, uh, containers. Uh, there's a name for my camera, but they call them. But like, there's the typical Blu-ray, but then there's like metal contain tin, tin yeah. containers, and it's like, hey, you guys are just as crazy. And I know nothing about comics, but I understand comic collectors are just as nuts as well. Well, it's interesting. You raise an interesting point because I heard this a while ago. I forget where I picked it up, but I think it's true. Is that even going back to your younger days, they say that record collectors or anybody who's really like focused on collecting something, they they usually collect other things too. They're they're a collector of many things, not just now. Some people only music some people only but yeah comics at different points in my life i've done baseball cards okay yeah. I've done comics when my son started getting into legos like went hardcore oh, like yeah. helping him get legos you know what i mean so like there's always been like that side thing and it's always helped me kind of take a break from vinyl collecting but especially because and let's kind of get into it the hobby now it's it's probably never been a better time to be a record collector but it's also been never a more confusing time because so many options so much information yeah. and also the pricing thing. And you've talked about this on your channel, the pricing particularly of new records is it's, it's hard it's to saying. do the math, right? The, the inflation, you know, you're, it's like Alan and uh, the hangover. You're trying to do the numbers in the air, <laughs> yeah. but it's hard to make sense of it. But do you feel that it's, it's kind of a detriment, obviously, you know, costs are costs. Sometimes you, you know, I, I don't blame the labels for taking costs up where they need to, but They've, they've yeah. had a history over the years of really trying to get the golden goose. And really, if you think back, remember CDs had long boxes, like things you didn't yeah. need and they're charging $20 a piece. How do you feel about the rising tide of costs in new and even used? Used is kind of 
com- coming up right behind it. How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, it's bananas. And for some reason, when I do the conversions and visit the U.S., records are expensive in the U.S., but they're even more expensive in Canada for some reason. I guess different distribution channels or or tariffs. I don't even know. It's even hard to tell where records are originated <laughs> from anymore because some are pressed in Canada, some in the U.S., some in Germany. Czech Republic, yeah, all over Czech the Republic. Yeah. yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, costs. I'm not sure about yourself, but there was a time five, ten years ago, I wouldn't blink like about buying a record that piqued my my interest or my curiosity. Is like, yeah, okay, 18 bucks or whatever, let's go for it. But all yeah. of a sudden, when a new record is like... 30 40 bucks even more it's like i gotta really think about this i'm gonna stream it i'm gonna listen to it i'm gonna not 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 to be a cheapskate or anything but we all have uh you know a limited amount of money to spend on this stuff so you got to make sure i'm speaking for myself anyway you got to make sure you're investing in the right in the right records it's funny I went in my Amazon account and I looked at the records I purchased, I don't know, like five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. I was looking at some of the prices I was paying. I'm like, damn, those were pretty cheap back then. Like <laughs> being new releases for like 16, 18, 20 bucks or something like that. That doesn't make good yeah, yeah, yeah. What a, what a time. I mean, even in 10, I'm just kind of picking a point. I, I can exactly what you're talking about. I remember getting records, they would have blowout deals. And not to say they're not doing blowout deals now, but. 10 15 dollars was a lot better looking than 25 30 yeah. and those are blowout prices right yeah yeah you really gotta gotta think twice like I, some of the prices are, are crazy so i do feel kind of bad for people just kind of getting into it because the cost for entry is really expensive now but on the other side there are so many good things for people are getting into it now like you probably haven't had this many choices for good gear in in decades you can sure. get a really good turntable for like a couple hundred bucks yep you can get a mini amp for like a hundred bucks and attach a da- um a preamp to that like you can get good equipment for a good price now so that part is good well let's talk about gear for a second because your channel does talk about more vinyl gear and more right yeah um, in your own journey like how at what point did you really kind of get like hyper, I'm gonna say hyper focused, but just more cognizant, more intentional about having like what you listen to your music to? Did, did that come? Was it early on? Or is it like you're saying now, like mm-hmm. now that it's a lot more cost friendly, now you can get some really great speakers and accessories mm-hmm. and all this for a good price? Hmm, that's a good question. I guess when you're a kid, it's whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think probably in my 20s, I started getting into like, the best I, I call myself a frugophile you know frug, frugal audiophile I'm not an audiophile but just by that i mean getting the best gear that you can afford my stuff is not high-end it's like mid-fi mid-fi stuff i guess or you know stuff you call i cobbled together used or or whatever i see you nodding so i assume that's kind of no, same yeah no no disrespect to people who want to really buck up on that stuff like i'll watch different live streams or different channels and they're just they're, they're really in it and that's great about gear and i try to listen i try to learn right because i think it's important to learn but i've got vintage stuff i've got cost effective stuff i've got stuff that works for me and i think yeah any any collector that's watching this new old uh cheap intention you know whatever like i think it's you got to make it work for you and it's got to work for your budget it's got to work for your room like the acoustics of where you listen to is so important and something that not a lot of people think about they're just thinking about i've got to get this turntable i've got to get this amp i've got it and that's great but the you know 
the the six sides of the room, right? The four walls and the ceiling and floor are super important. And those are things that yeah. even though that's not like my passion, I, I, I learn from passionate people that talk about that stuff. And through osmosis, I kind of learn. Yeah. You raise a great point. Like buy what you like and what you can afford. You don't need you define what you like. I got my, I got my techniques, uh, SL 1200. That's, I love it. That's all I need for a turntable. Uh, I got some Moran's gear. Like you got to find what you like. And that's why one of the, one thing that bugs me about the YouTube videos is people who rag or bag on kids who have like the suitcase players and sure. the Victrolas and cross. He's like, why do you care? Why do people care? If someone enjoys it, let them enjoy it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think a better approach, not that I'm giving life lessons here, coach them up and be like, hey, yeah. great that you have that. If you think about it, if you're ready for that next step in your budget. Sure. You know what I mean? That, that's that's something that kind of gets lost in the sauce of here's an idea. Before you criticize, why don't you analyze and help people learn, right? Because I think the information, like we talked about earlier, so much good information in the community that – I think part of it, part of part of possessing Im- information like that is sharing it. And yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. Like, I, I know there are certain channels, and I'm not going to name them, that hate Crosleys. They make videos about nope. destroying Crosleys, and that's fine, <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, like you said, if that's the the the, the way a new collector, a younger collector, gets into the hobby, sure. like, whatever. Whatever. I'm sure someone would scoff at me because I have a, a, a 1200 for a turntable. Like, oh, that. That sucks, man. That's for DJs or right. or a project or whatever. Whatever you like is good, and it's a journey. You're never going to reach the end of it, right? Either, right? So right. no finish line. Fun. That's right. No finish line. Yeah. Well, one thing you raise a good point. And let's talk about this very briefly. Is that when you put yourself out in the YouTube space, there, there's everyone's got an opinion, and sometimes you don't want to hear them. And I'm talking about trolls. How, how have you? Oh, man. <laughs> What's your approach to trolls? I mean, do you just straight up block them? Do you do you get like me and sometimes you you, you take the, the the cookie and you you, you go back and forth with them? Like, how do you view because because a channel your size and and putting out content you know twice a week, it, it it's a larger runway for for people to just come out of the shadows and just come at you. Yeah, I have to say that the general community, or at least on my channel, it's like ninety nine point nine percent good. Awesome. Which surprises me, mm. which really surprises me because when you put yourself out there, you expose yourself potentially to all sorts of stuff. So it's almost all awesome. Uh, I have some filters on, on YouTube, but they, they pull like potentially whatever offensive comments. So those mm-hmm. ones, I just have to say, uh, yeah. So if someone's a jerk, I don't engage. I just block them. You know, it's my living room. It's my house. I don't, you know, yeah. and by that, like the, the bar is set pretty high. Like if someone, like there's some weird stuff sometimes like oh dude you're so ugly you shouldn't be making youtube videos or this kind of i'm like what do you <laughs> but if it's a if it's a legitimate point i'm all for hearing engagement uh, opinion. yeah opinions different than mine what do i know i know nothing i'm just some guy sitting in a basement you can have your opinion but yeah that, i don't get a lot of trolls it's it's pretty good yourself do you get a lot of trolls oh it's funny you say that yeah yeah you, you, you it's funny you know when they come at the way you look or the way that you dress, like I hate yeah. your face. I'm like, yeah, like what? Cool, cool, thanks. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'll go to Beverly Hills next week. You know what I mean? Like, what you yeah. stuff, but yeah, I, I, uh, Robert Fithen was a guest uh, early in the series, and we talked about trolls, and you know, like 
I get good advice. I, I'm just kind of telling on myself here, but you know, just don't engage. Like once don't somebody, you, know, you raise a really good point earlier and, and uh, talking about Brandon, Mr. Hall of Fame, he gave me this piece of advice and it's very true. It's this is your house and think of it like you're inviting guests into your house. And if they don't behave, on the door right or you know like so it's a slippery slope but when i was talking to robert like he even said like you get to a point just don't even engage and i'm still i'm still getting my bambi legs in a lot of respects with the engagement with the audience but i i've 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 slipped on that soap a couple times because it's just like yeah you know what i mean it's human nature it's just like why do you hate me so much then why are you what did i do yeah yeah so you hate you're hate watching me and this right because there's so many options like you said there's so, so many other things to do in your life there's many other channels to go to you know so but it's really weird if you think about it like if you're walking on the streets someone wouldn't come up to you and go dude i hate that cap you have on that's the ugliest cap you're an idiot for wearing that cap right. you wouldn't do that in real life it makes it's so courage yeah it's, it's it's a phenomenon that i think that historians assuming assuming society survives another couple hundred years historians yeah. would really be well served to figure out where this this courage came from because <laughs> you're exactly right 15 20 years ago pre-internet even like yeah nobody just come up to the street just unsolicited and say i hate your shirt you know what i mean like it's the other way it's like hey man nice shirt or hey you know special yeah. music like cool band shirt or whatever nope not on youtube not on the internet they just no. this thing but well, it's almost like it's almost like when you're driving a car like there's road rage sometimes right because people are in their enclosures and they're not it's almost like you're dehumanizing the people around you so it's a good way to put bird it bird at someone you honk at them you tail not that you or i do that but sure. it happens in every city every day so it's like the internet's that times a hundred but yeah don't engage the trolls i'm totally open to contrary opinions but if you're going to be rude I don't want to deal with that because the other thing is, and tell me if you agree with this or not, once you let that rot set in, you don't control it. It just spreads. It's it's like a virus. You're exactly right. It's a virus. And I've had the people who have created, it's not just me, right? But like the people who create the the accounts, the fake accounts, that then it's, it's bizarre. But I mean, we could do a whole, we could do a whole conversation on this, trust me. But uh, last thing I wanted to touch on about the record collecting pieces, where do you find yourself getting most of your, your new pieces to your collection? Is it, is it online? Is it through Discogs, eBay? Because I always feel, and you touched on earlier, the, collecting in canada and i've talked to my canadian friends about this is a lot a lot different experience just from the the pricing the pricing with like you said the tariffs the the vats all these things the alphabet soup of things you guys have to pay so where do you find yourself getting your 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 records now is a record shows that's that's a place i've really leaned into this year yeah uh most of my records i buy now are new releases generally i have most of the back catalog stuff i want so record stores a lot of record stores um online a lot as well some cool stuff you can buy through uh, from the uk as well um uh, it's it's another curse word but i do uh buy stuff through amazon yeah, uh, yeah. new releases there as well sure, uh, sure. amazon local rec- local record stores are my number one though nice. Bandcamp is another one as well mm-hmm. uh i don't go to a lot of record shows anymore i just find they're so crowded and a lot of those records i can buy 
some of those same dealers at any time, especially once you start to, to get to know them. But yeah, record shows are cool too. I mean, I don't limit myself to to anything. If I see something good, I'll I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah, makes sense. All right, last thing. I know I said last thing on this, but I got one last thing. Yeah. So the one I, I like to ask people because I'm just curious. I get a wide array of answers. Is hopefully it's not for a long time. Yeah. What ha- what do you think happens to your collection when you? exit the celestial plane is this something i mean yeah. something you want to wind down something you want to give your kids something you want to for like a word burden your wife with having to like mm-hmm. get rid of a bunch of records have you any thoughts onto that i have i have i turned 50 this year so there's a milestone coming up i'm like oh man okay got all this stuff what am i going to do with that mm-hmm. i don't have a, i don't have a good answer for you yet other than i think i'll purge like continue to purge the stuff i'm not gonna listen to a lot uh, but then i don't know if my kids would want it you don't want to burden your kids with sure. tons of stuff they're not going to be interested in and my wife then she'll find out how much i really paid for all that stuff <laughs> i'll be long gone so it doesn't matter i don't know what's going to happen to it i, I really I, I won't be here so i don't really it won't matter i guess but yeah i don't know i'll be yourself uh yeah i i have certain records it's funny i have like a in my cubes i have one cube that's like if the house is on fire and, and the pets and the family is out i just mm. grab that one cube right like hopefully it never comes to that and in that in that cube is what i really want to like not only are like my most valuable pieces but the ones that mean the most to me the hardest ones to find and the ones that like my son's really into music right now he, he, he plays and you know we went to seattle a few months ago and he's like into the grunge thing so we got oh, cool. you know, check out all that stuff and went to like Kurt Cobain's like suicide hot. Like he, these, some of these were his ideas, which I was equally yeah. impressed, but also like, you sure you want to <laughs> <laughs> be a cool trip. Yeah. 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 But, but point being is like, I know at least some of the records and where they're going to end up, but yeah, I mean, you raise a good point about getting older and, and, you know, like don't want to for lack of a better word, burden people with this. I haven't reached that point. I think I'm, I'm still in the stage of collecting mm-hmm. where, I'm I'm slowing down and I'm trying to now like Brandon's really worked with me on this because I'm kind of seeing mm-hmm. Joe is getting the best copy you can get like that's the yeah. like upgrading what you already have because that's kind of fun too like if you can yeah. get, like these JC and the flip side another one these hype stickers now they've got me like oh, yeah. records with hype stickers you know so it, there's always it's a sickness right there's always different lanes that you can pick but uh, yeah I'm still digesting too but at worst there's that one shelf that those are the ones that we got to save. That's a good way to do it. Cause I don't have that. They're all mixed in uh-huh. into there. That's a good way to do it. Like the, the prized records and, it, and we all have those prized records. It doesn't have to be oh, the most sure. expensive record in your collection or something. Maybe that's, you know, your whatever. There can be various reasons why that's, you know, an important record. Yeah. Well, let's let, that's a great segue. Let's go. We're at the lightning round part of the presentation frank all right all right i'm nervous about this so nervous <laughs> well these, these should be fun questions to kind of uh end the conversation with but along those lines can you recall like uh, and i'm gonna i'm gonna curse i'm actually gonna curse on this one right. I, call it, I call it the oh shit moment where yeah. you, you know and and hopefully collectors the longer you've been doing this still get those i have them fewer and far between but can you remember like a you're flipping through the bins and there's like that that you're like I say take your breath away. It sounds a little like ridiculous, but you yeah, know what I mean? What mean. It, it, it gives you a pause and you're like, Oh boy, can you think yeah. of something like that? Yeah. And I screwed it up. It was six years ago. I was living in a city called Edmonton. I went to my local record store and I walked in on the wall. They had, st- they, uh, they had a still sealed copy of Van Halen balance. Oh, sure. And I was like, 
oh shit <laughs> and the price tag was fifty dollars i thought that's too much i'd never pay fifty dollars for that record it's now worth 500 so mm -hmm. that was, <laughs> it's funny you say that one i remember i have a copy fortunately but i remember i was at uh, amoeba san francisco and i saw it on the wall and i was like exactly like you're i'm like well i've already got a copy and it was like sixty dollars oh you know what i mean but i'm like yeah. oh, i've already got a copy and i've already got so much stuff i've got to haul back but it's one of those ones where you go back in time and be like hey exactly <laughs> have that one because you can get other things through that but that's exactly and i've had too many of those moments a few years ago i went to the record show in fargo north dakota okay. and i was flipping through and they had motley Crue, too fast for love leather press second edition and as I said to the guy, can I take it? I've never seen one of these. And I took it out and I was examining it and it was $105. No way. I'm not going to spend $105. So I put it back. And again, that's like 600 bucks now. Or something. I, I know. I know. Well, I always borrow. Are you familiar with that show? American Pickers? Yes. I love that show. Yeah. Great show. Mike and Frank. Yeah. Mike, Mike is, is, if I had the tattoo on, I should. Uh, he has that saying, if you've never seen it before, that's the time to strike. Yeah. I, I've tried. And it's true. I've tried to like, and, and, you know, to your point, at the different points of collecting, I have, oh man, fifty dollar record. Who's doing that? Or then yeah. it goes to a hundred, right? And then you just keep going up the steeplechase. But usually, I still, I always hear Mike Wolf's, you know, thing in my ear of like, if you've never seen it before. That's a time. Like there, I was at a record show a few months ago, and I found there was the the Van Halen four uh, four song EP. The I think Running with the Devil. It comes with the Looney Tunes sticker on the Looney Tunes. Yep, yep. Yeah, the red vinyl. I'd never seen it before. And so I, you know, I, I kind of do that record show kind of like looking on your phone. Is this legit? What is this? Yeah. And fair price. I think it was a hundred dollars. I'm like, man, hundred dollars for a four song EP, but had the strike. I'd never seen it before. Of course. Yeah. That's an awesome. I'm going to remember that, that those are words to live by. It is. It's also very expensive words to live by. <laughs> but, but like you said, after, after, you know, like Brandon, again, I'm, I'm bringing Brandon up a lot, but he's a big influence on my collecting It's it's money on the shelf. And at worst, you can always move off of it. And it's very yeah. yeah. Excellent right. advice. So let me add it's another lightning round. Do you still the older we're getting, you said you know, fifties turn fifty this year. Yeah. Do you still enjoy live music? Oh god, I don't want to sound like an old man. Yes. <laughs> but less than I used to, if that makes any sense. I'm, I'm uh, right. That's why I asked. That's why I asked. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad i didn't want to say it out loud but sometimes it's like oh man <laughs> i gotta drag my ass down to wherever it's like are they not thinking you know it's funny uh, uh i think it was jamie lee curtis a while ago had an idea she she raised a point she was talking about one of these big bands and they were playing like really late like a festival you two i'm making it up and she's like why don't they do matinees like they do on broadway and yeah. i Frank, I gotta tell you, I thought it was one of the greatest ideas I've heard in yeah. five years. Because I'm like, they, the old guy in me was like, yes, yeah. you can go at two o'clock and you've got enough energy and it's daylight and you can still get back and have a nice dinner and a nice nap. And I'm like, when did I become like some a member of the cast? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm like, it's true. But I'm with you. I used yeah. to love live music. It's like feeds my soul. But sometimes it's hard to get up for those Tuesday evening shows. Oh. Like Sunday evenings, the worst because you got. Yeah work looming so uh. you know i'll give you one example death angel was in town a while ago and they're playing at a bar i'm like okay that's cool i've never seen those guys before bay area thrash metal awesome they're playing at a club then i looked at the listing and there's like 
death angel and there's like four opening bands i did a calculation i'm like yeah. those guys aren't going on until midnight and it's a tuesday night and they'll it'll be done at 1 30 but by the time i get home it'll be like 2 30 and i gotta work in the morning oh, i skipped it adulting adulting man that's the worst i even I, I like i remember in my 20s if i got like free tickets to a show i'm like yeah let's go like free tickets now it's like game time decision it's always like and it's like, <laughs> how did my day go what's tomorrow look like exactly what you said how many bands are going on before i will say technology and communication from the venues has helped because before a lot of times you didn't know they're like okay doors at, at seven five other bands it was hard to f- figure that out but now yeah. i think mm-hmm. they figured out people want to know and they're like the main band's going on at 905 did they always go on at 905 sometimes not all yeah. but at least you have that window to plan i can't believe you made me acknowledge this publicly that i i now uh think through these things but at least you and i are kind of on the same page about hey, play, it playing the long game i get it um so two more for you what does vinyl community i'm using quotation marks vinyl community mean to you Mm, what does vinyl community mean to me i think it's kind of what we talked about before just this global community of like-minded people who are into records and and vinyl and and music and again there's that instantaneous bond as soon as you meet a record player from anywhere you and i we met for the first time uh you know 58 minutes ago and having a great conversation so really this unifying kind of thing awesome Love in it. terms of like who does videos and uh, whatever it's yeah. just it's the, the 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 connection that everyone has and as we talked about you don't have to be making videos it doesn't you don't have to be on youtube if our community is just record collectors man i'm with you as, as mazzy likes to say it's the music stupid <laughs> it is the music stupid yeah all right, line, yeah all right last one frank i got for you talked about film so maybe maybe i i've hit you on the good one so you said you collect movies too yeah. Say is the best, in your opinion. This is an opinion piece. The best vinyl-inspired feature film. When you think about like record collecting, like what do you think is you know? I, I'm not even going to do Mount Rushmore. I'll just like your personal favorite. Vinyl-inspired movie. So movie inspired by a record. Well, maybe uh, the, uh, records or music or, or is kind of one of the central pieces of the story. Like, like I'll take one off the table and maybe it's the one like high fidelity would be a good one. Right. Oh yeah. High fidelity is a classic. Right. Uh, we got your spinal tap. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Have you ever seen bad news or more bad news? No, no. What's up? No, it's, a, it's this British, it's this British comedy troupe. It's kind of like spinal tap, but writing it down. Times, bad news. Okay. Bad news and more bad news, more bad news. See that one. It's like an hour long, but they're like spinal tap, but better because they're alcoholics, they're idiots <laughs> and they're heavy metal fans. The trifecta. <laughs> and the, this movie, more bad news is a, is a mockumentary about this band called bad news, getting back together and they're offered a record label and they make a video and it, it ends with they get offered a gig at Donington and like Ozzy Osbourne's on the bill, Motorhead's on the bill and they actually played Donington and it was wow. it was brilliant. Watch more bad news. It's on YouTube. Okay, done. I wrote it down. Awesome. Well, Frank, we did it. You made it unscathed. Hopefully, hopefully the bruises will heal in the morning. But I, <laughs> but I appreciate the conversation. Like I said, I've, I've been watching it for years, and and through this medium, be able to get to talk to you about music. Like great conversation. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Awesome, uh, Chance. I appreciate the opportunity. It's always fun to do these kind of things and talk to other people about music because that's that's what we're all about. All of us, right? You got it. All right. Well, thanks, buddies, again for joining us. 
podcast. See you next time. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.